You're one of the most beautiful girls I've ever seen. Thank you. But I think my mouth is too big. No, it's the right size. All right, let's rock and roll. Welcome back. Episode two, Shaken Not Stirred, the definitive James Bond movie podcast, bringing together four complete, total, unqualified idiots to talk about the most successful and influential franchise in cinema history. As we've said before, each episode will focus on a different movie in the franchise, beginning in 1962 and hopefully running all the way up to the latest installment. Today, we have 1963's From Russia With Love, the second in the Bond series from Eon Productions, obviously standing for Everything or Nothing, Harry Saltzman, Cubby Broccoli, novel by Ian Fleming, even though he got absolutely no credit in this movie for it. Uh, same director, Terrence Young, as the first, Dr. No. Screenplay, Richard Maybaum. Adaptation by Joanna Hardwood. Fantastic that one of the writers has a Bond girl name, Joanna Hardwood. Now, that dynamic duo is back from the first movie. So we've got almost the exact same crew coming here. Um, I happened to pull up the uh, 1964 original review from the New York Times. So it's James Bond Travels the Orient Express. Let me pop this little uh, anecdote here for you. From Russia with love, don't miss it. This is to say, don't miss it if you can still get the least bit of fun out of a lurid adventure film and pseudo-fantastic reality. For this mad melodramatization of a desperate adventure of Bond with sinister characters in Istanbul and on the Orient Express is fictional exaggeration on a grand scale and in a dashing style. So illogically and improbably, but with a tongue blithely wedged between his cheek. Obviously, the New York Times did not appreciate this the same way we did. Gentlemen, good evening. How are you? Introduce yourselves as usual. What do we got? Yeah, I'll go. Um, happy to be back. DJ, um, Mike's cousin, Trey's old roommate from Florida and high school friends at Supel. So here I am. Thanks for having me again on the podcast. Yeah, I'm back. You guys are stuck with me, John Supel, again. Another degenerate who loves Bond, and I'm going to pass it off to my friend Trey. Yeah, um, this is Trey. Uh, New York Times can suck it because I love fictional exaggeration. <laughs> Big news. <laughs> uh, so let's jump right in. So second, uh, second piece of the Bond series from Russia with Love. Uh, overall plot here. Let's dive right into it. Yeah. Um, overall plot, I think, um, going from Dr. Noda from Russia with love, I think they took what worked for them the first time. Um, you know, they, they took notice of that, what audiences enjoyed. And, and obviously that goes on to continue in the series. They took, uh, you know, the, the strong points and just made them even better here. And from Russia with love, I think the, uh, the overall plot was my opinion, probably one of the most realistic I can remember from any of the bonds. Um, you know, you can actually envision uh, some of these things actually taking place, which can't say for every Bond. So um, I was a fan. Overall plot was uh, was good for me. Yeah, I agree. Um, coming off the heels of Dr. No, it's like I think it's one of the better Bond films to ride off the heels of another Bond film because they actually kind of go back on uh, yeah, this dude killed Dr. No, we're out to go kill him now. So that kind of makes like a little bit of references back to the first film, which in my eyes, that's way better than what Quantum does at Casino Royale. 
I mean, so let's let's take a deeper dive into the plot before we start throwing some scores, right? So we've got you know the possibility that so so Spectre is trying to play two different Cold War nations against one another, right? And obviously, we're talking about the golden age of spying here in the you know the fifties and the sixties. So this typewriter decoding device, you know, is the potential. So obviously, you know, Great Britain's going to send their best man, James Bond, to go sniff out, one, whether or not this is a real thing, and two, if it's something they can get their hands on, right? I mean, that seems pretty realistic to, to me, right? You know, to Absolutely. You see enough documentaries about us trying to get that during, you know, World War II and, you know, even later on. So, I mean, that's, you know, I'm, I'm fine with that. I'm, I'm bought in. And, and listen, they chose Istanbul as a destination. And I feel like that was a perfect call from those writers here because at that time, Russia, UK, Istanbul falls somewhere in the middle. You know, it's a little bit Wild West, a little bit, you know, do they fall on Russia's side here? Do they fall with the rest of Western Europe? What's going on? Um, I, I don't know. I think, I think Istanbul kind of gives that lore of, of a good destination for this film at this time. In addition to a good lore, later on in the series, it's also a wonderful place to have your holidays, in case anybody's wondering. Like, yeah. wonderful plot all around. And, like, I can't think of another film series where the second movie, I think, personally, is better than the first. It's hard to follow up with an original, yet uh, From Russia Earth with Love hit it out of the park and set a higher standard than Dr. No. Yeah, we're talking about the realistic aspect of it. I liked how this lector that everyone's going after, this decoder, it's the size of a typewriter. I mean, this is the 1960s. This isn't something that's like a little microchip that they're just going to be able to sneak out of. This thing's pretty bulky. So to, to watch them carry it around at the end was pretty hilarious. You know, and what, what you got to appreciate about it too, right, this obviously comes off the heels of, you know, Dr. No. You know, we get the, you know, we get a, a, a greater introduction to what is Spectre, um, you know, we can dive into that when we start talking about the villains, but, you know, this far-reaching organization has tentacles everywhere. Folks that used to be in the Russian government are now part of, you know, a Spectre organization. You know, what does that look like? Is there a signing day? Is there a contract? What happens when they defect from these nations? Um, you know, and you're setting the stage for this, you know, bad guy organization that is without a country before the days of, you know, nation states and what we have now. So, you know, it's a, it's interesting. I gave that one, I gave it an 8.5. I liked it across the board. I, I thought it was a, uh, you know, I thought it was a good plot. I like dropping bond into, you know, into Turkey. I like him, you know, coming on board with someone like Al Karim Bey, um, who we'll talk about, but, you know, a local guide who's got contacts everywhere, you know, he assimilates right into the community. You know, I, I thought that, uh, I thought the overall plot um, was pretty good. I've got some execution flaws that we'll get into later on, but, you know, I gave it an 8.5. I was pretty high on it. I also gave it an 8.5, um, which for me is two points higher than what I believe the plot to be for Dr. No. Um, you know, my own personal ratings, I thought, like I said, most realistic. Um, I think you can kind of envision this happening at, at this time in history. Um, you know, it's, it's definitely, you know, pulling at some of the, uh, the fears and some of the concerns with the moviegoers um, who might have attended the, the theater at this time. So 
you know, I think I think they hit a home run here. And like you hit a home run with your comments, I also had an eight point five. And as an audience viewer in the sixties, uh, whatever, they could relate to the actions that are going on in the news to the movie. I don't know if I would like that in a movie to watch something that I'm experiencing, but it was definitely something real. And that's something that could totally happen, which could have happened, but we'll never know. Just wait till we get all the coronavirus movies coming out right now. <laughs> coronavirus. <laughs> yeah, I gave it a solid eight. I mean, y'all covered all the details. Um, just overall great film. I really, really enjoyed it. All right, let's move on to the, obviously uh, part two of our, of our 10 part quintessential bond scoring matrix here. The overall bond performance, obviously we've got Sean Connery back. Um, after his career-defining moment in Dr. No, coming back to us as the debonair James Bond 007. I thought it was a top-flight performance across the board. I gave it an 8.0. Um, you know, probably could have gone higher, but you can't go any higher than the time that he defined the role. You know, I don't think we're at a point where Bond is becoming a caricature, right? He's still, a, you know, taken very seriously. I think there's still, a, you know, a, a humbleness to his character. As, as cocky as he is, the performance has a humble nature to it. You know, I was, I was an 8.0 on, on Connery here. Yeah, Mike, um, I'm with you here. I don't think I can score this any higher than Dr. No, because I gave him a perfect 10 in Dr. No. You know, he defined the role for every future Bond to live up to in that film. So, um, but I do think that Connery gave a, a well-polished performance here. I think overall, I gave it a 9. Um, you know, he, he had some, some good one-liners here. Um, he was, he was quick and, you know, his, his persona here, especially his one, two with Kareem Bay, I think really added to bond as a character. Cause you kind of see him as like a loyal friend in some aspects that you don't always see in other bond films. So I think, I think that kind of boosted the score for me a little bit. That's a really good point about like making the alliances with his, uh, allies and the locals to help him get to the end game i gave him a 9.0 i also love this scene where he restrained the guy with his own suit in a train car like he improvised he had nothing yet he still took down the bad guy yeah i gave it a 9.3 um we we saw him sweat a little bit in this one uh he wasn't always uh on top of everything he even got tricked a little bit by uh red grant uh but we saw some relationships develop. develop. Um, I don't know. I thought it was a pretty, pretty great performance. I love Sean Connery. I do also think, unlike Dr. No, but moving forward, I think each movie starts to do this in an even more extravagant form. But it, to Trey's point about Bond sweating, there's clearly a moment where Bond should be dead. Like, you so know. Many times. You know, he's, you know, he's on the train, he's on his knees at gunpoint. Any logical villain in any real world, this guy's toast. Listen, um, I mean, even before he gets on the train, let's talk about the gypsy fight. Red Grant saves his ass. Oh, oh totally. Sniper. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Red Grant could have easily just picked him off. Yeah. You know? I mean, we can talk about that during the villain piece of it, but, um, you know, Bond may not have even gotten to the train if it wasn't for Red Grant. Sure. And to spin off that, he was held at gunpoint at the end. Tatiana could be like, you know what? Peace. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The tease yeah. at the end was wonderful. Yeah. Yeah, he, he was definitely uh, vulnerable more times than not, uh, oh. which is, is rare for, for a bond here. Well, Absolutely. 
So moving over, obviously now, obviously the quintessential Bond villain. Um, I went a little lower on this one. I went a six here. Um, few few points, and feel free to jump into this one. So I, I never felt that there was an actual villain in this movie, right? This is one of these unique situations where there's a thing and an organization and not a person for one of the only times in Bond, right? There's typically usually a villain and a whole bunch of henchmen, as opposed to here we've got a whole bunch of henchmen. We see Spectre meeting in their lair around the table. We get the introduction of number one, um, who obviously as you watch more and more movies, um, you know, number one in this one, there's this big, deep voice, lots of reverb. You know, it's kind of funny how they change it when you move to some further movies where he's less ominous, less like Dr. Claw from Inspector Gadget and more like a, a dweeby supervillain. So, you know, I got kind of the, kind of the kick out of this one. Um, what, I, what I never understand about it, though, is why are we giving people numerical numbers, which I would assume to be to protect their identity and then use their names anyway? <laughs> That's the thing I don't understand here. I'm, I'm just thinking rank uh for the yeah. numbers but um you know mike i agree with you um i didn't really see an overarching bond villain per se here i mean you do get the whole specter element and like you said the introduction to number one blofeld but um you know i feel like the writers didn't really make up their mind if they wanted rosa kleb or red grant to be more dominant here sure um you know you got red grant answering to Rosa Klebb essentially because she goes and picks him out as you know this is the guy um but I don't I don't think there's any you know definitive action here saying one or the other is going to be the main antagonist and and you know the, the film kind of flip-flops between the two for a while but back to the numbers what you were saying like yes in Spectra the higher the number the higher the ranking if Bond is 007 what about six five four? So I think MI six is definitely at a different uh, number scale. But again, the villains not a fan. Going into the rewatch, I honestly couldn't remember who the bad guy was. I personally felt it was more red, but rewatching, I think it might be Club. Yeah, I scored at eight point four. Um, this is coming off the hills of Doctor No, which we all know I hate. I like the combo element i just combined everyone from specter uh the introduction of blofeld uh red grant who which we mentioned earlier actually made james bond sweat as well as uh cleb i mean cleb could have capped him at the end i don't know what she was waiting on i mean she already got the lector and she's just pointing the pistol at him i mean what are you doing this is just another another area where we could talk about where bond should have been killed yeah, I mean, and we'll, and we'll dive into the details, obviously, when we get to the opening scene, opening credits conversation about how you're meant to believe that Bond is killed. But since we're in here talking about the villains, can we talk about how cool Spectre Island is for a second, right? It's this big, cool castle with training grounds where they're training people how to kill everybody. And, you know, Kleb comes rolling in, picks out Red. He's out there getting a massage. He's meant to stand up. She absolutely lays into him with some brass knuckles, and the guy doesn't even move. I mean, that Victor might be that might be a scene worth pulling up. Victor Allen is fucking cool, man. Yeah, that might be a scene worth pulling up. I mean, that uh, that interaction there where uh, Red Grant is just getting rubbed down. Um, <laughs> it, it, it's fantastic, unbelievable. Is she wearing? Is it underwear or a swimsuit? 
she I just, she's wearing clothes and she strips down. It, is that a normal thing in the 60s where you just strip down the underwear? Garden. I mean, look, there's clearly no rules on Spectre Island. So who the hell knows? It's really whatever you want the rule to be. Yeah, I mean, is this is this woman just being held against her own will on Spectre Island just like there for the enjoyment of all these like trained assassins? Like what what's going on here? I mean, she doesn't seem, you know, she doesn't seem like too you know, in distress here, right? Here, let me, uh... I mean, she just strips down. Like, gorgeous, too. Gorgeous. Absolutely gorgeous. But it's not like Red told her, like, hey, get just down to your, your panties now. Well, and, you just know? up here. Right. Anyway. Call him. Red! Also, apparently towels in the 60s were really small. <laughs> Love the sound effects here in this too. Yeah, uh, the, the brass knuck. And the guitar going on. You get a little brass knuck here, and then, bam! He seems fit enough. Have him report to me in Istanbul in 24 hours. <gasps> they didn't even talk to him. No. What a shot, though. What a shot to the midsection there. Does he talk I mean, until the train? What was that? Does he talk until like the train scene? I don't think we hear him talk. I don't think he says a word. He's silent until the train. He also aged terribly bad in the next 12 years he filmed Jaws, and he was an old man at that time. <laughs> uh, what, right. about, what about that right hook from Rosa Clem right into the midsection? Can we yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna have to bump my – I mean, maybe I'll bump my uh... – how did how did that not shatter some ribs there? Like, what is going on? What is special effects in the six? What is Red eating? Like, how is how is this this bone structure so strong that doesn't fracture a few ribs there? I mean, she lays straight into him. He's the sixties Dolph Lundgren. Oh, hundred yeah. percent, dude, hundred percent. With brass knuckles, like, <laughs> just flips him right on, and I mean, you heard the sound effects. Well, bam! Red didn't fight our job. He got the gold brick to the chest. Yeah. <laughs> uh, villain seven point five for me. Five point five for me. I was a six, but you know I'm gonna have to bump it because Spectre Island is just so cool. It really is just very very cool. Trey, you had eight point four. You sticking sticking with that? Yeah, eight point four. Yeah. I think it's so. Uh, the inner workings of Spectre, that whole, that's the first time you're able to see it outside of this, I don't Iron Hands, Dr. No. I mean, this is, <laughs> yeah. This is getting, it's getting to working towards peak Spectre. Yep, yep. Um, but now, now it's time. We got to talk about our girl, Tanya. There she is. There's our girl, Tatiana Romanova. Her friends call her Tanya. All right, you want you want to lead on? This is this is a girl um, that you rank pretty highly in your your ratings, if I remember correctly. So you want to start with this? Yeah, um, I am highly attracted to forward women. Um, I gave her an eight point eight. I mean, you can't get any more forward than Tatiana does in the opening uh, opening scene. Um, she sneaks into Bond's hotel room and gets undressed and just gets in his bed. I mean, I love that about her. But also, she's also a double O agent. So that's also sexy. Um, but, yeah, I gave her an 8.9. It's tough to follow up Honey Rider, but Tatiana holds her up her own the entire movie. Trey, I'll correct you. Not a double O agent, but a double agent. Double agent. 
yeah yeah so she she is working here for specter but she does not know she's working for specter she yeah, thinks she's working for Russia yeah, or yes. ussr yes. at this point yes um but i i agree with you um you know i think it's very hard to follow honey rider here but i think uh tatiana does an admirable job i gave her a seven overall um i do think yes it was great that she was super forward um you know i kind of kind of lost track somewhere in the film which you know is probably a good thing of from when she was just doing her job and to when she was falling for bond you know that got kind of gray which for me was was good for her because you know you, you want that you want you know the the losing of oh this is my mission to now i'm falling in love with bond see but my, my problem was i never felt like there was ever a differentiation right so like one of the reasons i i gave this a six right so you got your classic bad girl becomes good thanks to the dashing James Bond, unveiling that she's being used without her realizing it all, that yada, yada, yada. The problem is, like, there's no actual character development in this, right? She's terrified when she goes in to meet with Cleb, who somehow knows how many men that she slept with in, on a piece of paper beyond my fucking comprehension. So somehow, you know, they know everything about you over there. So I'm very glad that I live in a, you know, a free nation. But... There's zero zero development across the board, right? So she's terrified, and then we reintroduce her as a caricature of herself where she's naked wearing nothing but a bow around her neck. Good for Bond, unwrap the present. But she holds that throughout the entire thing, and we're meant to believe that there's a switch that takes place that she's both faking this and then actually falling for the guy. So th that kind of annoyed me a little bit. Like, I bumped on that a little. Yeah, and Cleb is in the other room while this happening, just filming it all. Can we talk about that? They're having this intimate moment in Bond Suite, and then they're in the room just with the camcorder, just watching it. Hey, man, Russians needed their form of porn, too. <laughs> I mean, what's funny, too, is for somebody in Bond's, you know, Bond's career, right, and as we continue to learn this, we should probably get a running tally of all the things that Bond has done in his life, right? Because you learn that he was in Cambridge and then in the Navy and all of these things. So clearly we're dealing with an intelligent individual. Now, two-way glass from everything I've ever seen in television um, is pretty fucking easy to spot, right? It's a giant piece of glass in the middle of the room. So who the hell puts a giant piece of glass in the middle of a bedroom? Well, I mean, let's be honest. Here. So, so, Mike, to build on your point there, every other Bond film you're watching, he gets in the hotel room and he inspects the shit out of that place. Thing. He he's looking for microphones, cameras, anything that could be used against him, right? And he doesn't find this, you know, camera watching him bang out Tatiana here. Like, well, like didn't he didn't he inspect the hotel room early and get moved to the the bridal suite here? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. Home, we cased the entire room and knew that there was something behind the. You know, there was a recording device. So, really? Yeah. There's a there's something mentioned with by Sylvia Trench, and they mention it later. And maybe this could go back to the plot point. And this is something I missed through all my rewatches. I don't know why, but there's a scar on Bond, like that looks like it's from a cut. Do y'all think that's from Honey Rider? Like from her knife? Like did Bond like break up with her and she just cut him? Mm. Because he wasn't stabbed in Doctor No at any point, right? No, no. I didn't know if that's something happened, but they pointed out hmm. all the time how, like, to Sylvia Trench is like, oh, uh, 
is that from another jealous girl maybe? And he's like, maybe. And just that's it, the end of it. I don't know. I have to, I might have to look into that because I thought he was stabbed at some point. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, that's what something oh. I caught. So just, like, just so you know, I literally just Googled Bond Scar from, from Russia with Love. And the number one, it's this random 007 UK blog, is do you think Honey Rider gave Bond that scar question? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> All right. See, he broke up with the wrong girl, man. Yeah, is it a hint that a jealous ex-girlfriend, Honey, did not, you know, did not appreciate yeah. the ending here? That's that perfect sense. Yeah. I, didn't, I, never, I actually didn't even think about I that. I mean, she Was did it? carry a big knife. Yeah. Uh, but he did end up with a swimsuit and her knife and uh, on Her Majesty's Secret Service. So, but, but Bond Girl, I had her at a low 5.0. I'm reevaluating that at the moment due to your strong points. You had, you had her at a 5.0? Yes, but after huh. hearing your arguments, which I don't hear before the podcast, for the record, yeah, I'm willing to reevaluate and think back. Yeah, I mean, we got to go back to the quotes portion. When we go back to the quotes, I mean, that just adds to the hotness factor of it, too. Agreed. We'll we'll get there. Uh, yeah, boys, moving on. Coming at you. We're issuing this to all double O personnel. I does. An ordinary black leather case with 20 rounds of ammunition here and here. Now, if you take the top off, you'll find the ammunition inside. And the side here, flat throwing knife. Press that button there. Now she comes. Inside the case, you'll find an AR-7 folding sniper's rifle, .25 caliber with an infrared telescopic sight. Then if you pull out these straps, inside are 50 gold sovereigns, 25 in either side. Now watch very carefully. An ordinary tin of talcum powder, inside a tear gas cartridge. That goes in the case against the side here like that. It's magnetized so it won't fall. Shut the case. Now normally to open a case like that, you move the catches to the side. If you do, the cartridge will explode in your face. Now, to stop the cartridge exploding, turn the catches horizontally, like that. Then, open normally. All right, so guns, gadgets, cars. We have the introduction of the world's famous Q. We've got what I believe to be some of the uh, original gadgets here. Um, I'll kick this one off. I went high. I went sky high here. I was a 9-0 on, on guns, gadgets, cars. This, is, to me, was the true introduction of real spy gadgets and gizmos. Right, it's realistic. It's believable. There's a throwing knife that pops out of a briefcase. It's also got extra ammunition. There's money. Extra money. There's explode. There, there's an exploding talc powder. I mean, you, this one's got everything. Um, I also think I don't have a clip for it, but also getting honorable mention here, which I think is one of the best pieces of gadget and gizmo, is the periscope that looks into the Russian embassy. It literally comes up and down somehow in the rocks and the underwater caves of Constantinople. I mean, it's fantastic. Now, Mike, I, I agree with you. You know, for my score, I actually, I had Q included in the supporting cast here. So his introduction didn't affect the Guns, Cars, Gadget score for me. I was talking just practicality here, stuff that's being used in the field. And I based it all on that briefcase because that's pretty much all you got the sniper is a good good piece of it see that being used the talc powder bomb is is beautiful you know that that leads to the demise of red i scored this a five overall you're not seeing anything super flashy but it's practical compared to some movies where you don't see really anything at all which i would have scored low three you know, I, I think the briefcase steps it up a notch and gets it up to a five. I had it at a seven, and, like, he executed every use of every item perfectly, even with the gold coins. At one point, he was able to distract Red Grant 
offering him a bribe money buyout. He looks at the briefcase and boom, then tear gas goes off in his face. Extra points, Q has always been my favorite character. I think it was 99, Christmas Day, when I found out that he passed away. I literally cried. One of the best actors, one of the best characters, and he always had a great item to introduce and a great one-liner. Yeah. um, Guns, cars, and gadgets. I gave it a seven. Look, I love the 35 Bentley that's in the movie as well. Um, I gave that a nice, clean look, Uh, as well as the rifle. I mean, that rifle that he puts together, it takes down a helicopter. I mean, what rifle? (laughs) <laughs> in the 1960s. So, because obviously I had lots of time, was very interested about this. There's actually a number of stories. So, this was not a made-up thing. The gold sovereign apparently has been used by British soldiers and British spies going back to like the early 1800s. So, for almost a hundred years, they've been carrying these gold sovereigns, and they all have different worth. Um, it's actually what they used to use to to trade for their lives back in World War II. Funny enough. So I haven't been able to totally calculate um, how much these things were actually worth because it's not clear about what the size of them are, but they make a number of them and they're obviously done by weight about the total number of gold. But based on the 50 sovereigns in $1960, you're looking at something between at the smallest 2,500 bucks worth of gold coins. But if they're heavier, you're looking at something in the neighborhood of about $100,000 worth of gold. So clearly that's, that, that'll, stop a, you know, that'll stop a Spectre agent in his tracks, I have to imagine. No, that's, that's good research there. I wouldn't have even thought about looking up the value of gold sovereigns there. So kudos to you, Mike, on that. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, let's dive into uh, the supporting cast. I think we touched on it a little bit just now with uh, Q Branch. Overall, was a solid cast. I know some of my friends are going to want to discuss more about his trained friends. That's a great reference. But I gave supporting cast an 8.0. Yeah, I also gave supporting cast an 8.0. Like I said, I I factored Q into my supporting cast vote as opposed to the uh, guns, cars vote. But um, thank you for pulling up this clip, Mike, because I think there can't be enough said about this man here. Um, Kareem Bay is, is Bond's boy. You're not glad to see me this morning, Siri. Overjoyed. I no longer please you. Be still. Notwithstanding the fact that, you know, that's a terrible explosion scene, him basically, like, begrudgingly having to get up because he has to go sleep with what I'm assuming is his fifth, sixth, tenth wife, because... The guy talks about having kids all over the city and refers to it as going back to the salt mines. Fantastic supporting character. Yeah. Kareem Bay, Kareem Bay must be the most fertile man in Constantinople at this point. Like <laughs> I mean, every, oh, everyone else, everyone else in the supporting cast. One third of the population of Istanbul is all of his, all of his sons are are all of his, you know, the rest of his crew. We haven't even gotten into our, our friends in the gypsy community here. Like how many of them are related to him? How does this guy have a relationship? Right. Like, and listen, like I know about gypsy culture, and it's very minimal. And most of us from watching this movie, they don't like outsiders. So how does this guy become an out, become an insider here? I think right. this guy's. I think this guy's related to half those gypsies in that camp. I agree with that. And and I'll also throw this out there: you love the interaction between Bond and Kareem through, throughout the whole film. 
Oh, it's like I they've mean, known one another for a hundred years. It's that's like his boy, you know. Like you can you can envision Bond and Kareem going into like the Turkish bathhouse and the brothels here, just you know, going in for a nice tug. <laughs> I mean, come on. I mean, clearly Kareem doesn't need it, but obviously I, I understand your point. Yeah, the, the neither one of them need it, but it doesn't mean they don't enjoy it. I Kareem Bay is probably my favorite, I guess, Bond associate. Other than anyone at MI6 in the entire series, uh, I, I gave it a 7.5. I, the only thing I, I knocked off a little bit on, it would have been higher. I think they, the, the direct screenwriter or whatever, maybe even doing the book, but the way it was shown, I hated his death. I think he, like, a little bit more was owned to him. I think he should have maybe had his own scene. But the fact that Bond just finds him with the knife in his back stinks. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that one. It's, I mean, and we'll get into, I guess, some of the scene breakdown where, you know, we're talking about all the best parts of the movie and then three quarters of it, we're on a train where we want to gouge our eyes out. But yeah, you know, it's, you know, for, for such a great man that's got people everywhere and stopping trains and getting like sons to pick him up on the sides of the road, for the guy to just end up knifed in the back, it was, you know. Off screen, I hate the off screen death. See, yeah. I, I agree with that, Soup. Um, the only thing that I'm thinking of in this death that kind of makes it work in my mind is Bond wasn't able to prevent anything that happened there. You know, he just discovers him with a knife in the back. So, you know, for me, I think Bond would do whatever he can to save his buddy. Um, now, simultaneously, then, obviously, we we're shifting from, hench from, uh, from supporting to, to, to death and henchmen. Um, obviously, the guy that's trying to kill Kareem Bay, and while Kareem Bay has a terrible death in this movie, Kareem Bay ultimately delivers probably the best death in this movie. Quick, he's coming. In the Pays many debts. She should have kept her mouth shut. <laughs> Great line. Great line. And listen, listen, that scene too also plays into their relationship. Bond was ready to do that shot by himself. Oh, totally. And, yeah. and Kareem Bay is just like, no, no, this is this is my revenge shot. I need to take the shot. So, you know, he's injured here from the gypsy camp. Um, you know, Bond just being Bond lets his lets his shoulder just be the resting point there, and Kareem Bay takes care of business. Agreed. I think that's probably one of my favorite scenes, if not my favorite scene in the movie. Just the fact that some guy climbed out of a woman's mouth on a billboard and ended up dying <laughs> is just absolutely hilarious. And Bond capped it with a great quote. Exactly. That's your quintessential Bond scene, right? Now, obviously, Bond doesn't deliver the death blow, but you know, all still ultimately closes the scene with a great with a great quip. All aces in my book. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I know we're bleeding a number of categories together here, so. But they all relate to Kareem Bay, who ultimately <laughs> is the supporting cast here, so. Yeah, he truly, he, he truly, truly is. All right, for purposes of this discussion, if folks are okay, we're going to move the song slash opening credits discussion to the end of our discussion, seeing as it was actually the closing title of the movie. You know, I yeah. think we touched on, um, or 
I mean, I, I, we'll touch on, I guess, as part of the chase scene, let's talk, let's talk about the openings, the, the cold open to this, and then we'll talk about the song after. We'll kind of split this up a little bit. I think it's a great cold open, right? You got, you got Bond walking through the bushes, looking a little timid. Obviously, you've got, you know, you don't know who, who it is that's following him, what's going on. Ultimately, he gets choked out by another great gadget, right? The wire coming out of the watch right there. And then obviously we get the, you know, we get the reveal afterwards that, you know, it's not actually Bond that's dead. So, you know, great, great cold open. I, I agree with you, Mike. I think the cold opening is really strong. Um, there's two things that kind of stuck out that I was a little skeptical about. Um, one, the Bond lookalike was fucking phenomenal. You're led to believe that Bond is getting killed immediately right there. Leads you to believe, did they have cloning technology? Like, what, what was happening there? Um, because the mask was just too realistic. Um, and two, how did they really know what Bond looked like? Uh, yeah, that's a good question. How, how, did, how did they know what Bond looked like here? I mean, he went and killed Dr. No. Did, like, they pull up, did they have video footage of Dr. No's lair? Like, at this point, how do they know exactly what Bond is, is looking like? Yeah, that's a good point. I don't know if they have dossiers on James Bond, but he's a freaking double O agent. You're not supposed to really know what he looks like. Right. I mean, listen, we're we're in film two of the series at this point. Obviously, the the lore and and the the myth, the legend of James Bond is building. But how do they know? They 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 made an identical mask, identical. How do they know? I I, I have no idea, man. <laughs> that's a good point. It becomes a trend. Yeah, I, but that, that's such a great opening scene because you're led to believe, oh, shit, James Bond's dead. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> or at least at least Bond as you knew him, right? Like, yeah. It was, oh, great. Connery did a great job in, in Dr. No. It was a good movie. And now, now you're rolling into the opening scene of number two, and now he's dead? So now you're like, okay, now what happens? Right. If it, if it was some kind of Game of Thrones, like – they just had like Roger Moore come in and just play James Bond from then on out. That yeah. would be all. That would have been pretty good. I wouldn't have hate that. Just kill off Sean Connery at the very beginning. Have someone else play the rest of the movie. I, I agree. The cold opening it it, it kind of gave you a chill. You're like, all right, well, what's what's really happening with Bond now? And then unveils the mask. So I think I think it uh, it achieved its goal in in kind of scaring the audience a bit. Agreed. Are we talking about scores yet on the opening credits? No, nah, we'll save save the opening credit scores for when we play yeah, the, the closing weird, credits. We're in a weird bleed here, so I guess let's move into some of the chases and the fight scenes, right? Love yeah. it. Yeah. She's saying that, yes, yes, I think I got it without the subtitles. <laughs> Great mustache. I'm telling you right now, if if there's a fan duel line on this, I'm taking this chick in the green all day.
guess let's break down this gypsy fight scene for a second. So obviously, you know, there's an attempt on the life of, you know, Al Kareem Bay, our boy. Um, he decides he's going to go hide out in a gypsy camp overnight because that always works out well for everybody. Um, you know, and, you, and he walks into a situation where two women are trying to marry the chief's daughter. And, okay, great, I'll take that premise. Done, done. But, but I, I'll, I'll, take, I'll take that premise. But, but when you dig into it for a second, right, what actual point does that serve to the movie? None. There's I absolutely think, no point, but it's one of the better fight scenes of the entire movie, which is funny enough. I think the, uh, the gypsy camp doesn't necessarily fill your plot needs but it builds all of your character needs. So it helps your relationship with Bond and Kareem Bay. It gives you a little bit of detail on, on Red at this point, how you know he could have easily taken out Bond, but saved his ass and wants to have that kill be in person, you know, which leads you to the train scene eventually, um, how he wants to, to just kill him one-on-one. Um, and I think, you know, you, you kind of need one of these scenes. Like, you got you got all these, you know, gypsy folk just coming out of nowhere. It's almost kind of like a, a Wild West where they're, you know, burning down tents and, you know, kicking doors open and, you know, gunslinging. It, it, was, oh, it, looks, it looks like a fight scene in Snatch. Oh, it's crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, look at just look at that scene that you pulled up. Look at Kareem Bay and Bond just – laughing it up at the table man like you don't see bond in that element too often you know just kind of having a good laugh with a buddy over two women fighting right like yeah, I, I i slightly disagree with you obviously having watched a numerous of these i feel like a lot of the early bonds you get this type of character development and then i think they get away from it and it comes you get back. it you, you get it with the right. villain yeah you don't get it with the buddy you yeah. get you get the, like the chumming it up with with the villain most of the time you don't really get the chumming it up with my good buddy yeah you get it with you know goldfinger or you get it with freaking um you know Captain no one dinner time right and any any of these films where where he's showing his personality but he's showing in front of a villain he's not really his guards down a little bit here bond is just having a good time you're right it's either the villain or the bond girl that's building up the character yeah. So it's nice to see someone else get a little bit of character development in the movie. But it, but it came with a really terrible, terrible death. Absolutely. I can't agree with you more. Agreed. So now let's talk about the... Why uh, are you giving up? Without those drums, the boat must be lighter. Really we can go faster. Keep your hands up, Great Mr. Bond. Ending. We're sending a boat along to take you off. I like how they were separated by flare. Staying in England, where there's smoke, there's fire. Now, I don't know about you guys, but you know, in our uh, random henchman calculator, I'm going to say there's probably 30 henchmen that lose their lives in that scene. In what I will die on this hill and say that Steven Spielberg stole this idea for Jaws um, to kick the barrels off, shoot it with a gun, explode it. I'll, I'll say this right here. Totally plagiarized. Firm disagree. <laughs> <laughs> 
I think I think Spielberg I think, Spielberg is definitely a Bond fan. Yeah, I think Spielberg. Who isn't? I think Spielberg took this idea totally. Who isn't? But we we digress, right? We're um, we're talking about these chase scenes. The boat chase obviously has a, a pretty bad ending there. The gypsy camp fight scene is great, but let's talk about the train scene. We haven't touched on the the quintessential train scene yet. Yeah, I mean, what what do you want to discuss about it? Just the actual fight between him and uh, Red? All of it, all together, man. Like, listen, so the cat mouse game. How does it add up? How does it affect your score? What's going on? And we can uh, inject all the gadgets, like Bond used. I think every gadget except for the bullets on Red. Yeah, yeah the coins, the gas bomb, the knife at one point, the briefcase yep. as a distraction itself. Yep. Listen, I, between the combinations like the actual chase scenes uh, and the fight scene, um, I, I gave it a 5.2, honestly. Uh, I liked the uh, gypsy fight, but other than the, like, the boat scene, I didn't really care for, honestly. It didn't really do much for me. And then him shooting down the helicopter is great, but going to the train scene, that fight, that carried this whole score. slams him into the door literally sounds like they're launching rocket launchers. <laughs> Oh, my God. 
considering we're talking about 1960s choreography, that's a fantastic closed fight scene right there. Well, great, great, great fight scene. I think um, so. For for chase scene, I scored a seven point five. Um, I really love the gypsy scene. Um, I thought it added a lot of character development there. I know Mikey didn't love it, but um, I I did love the train scene, even though it was long. I still really enjoyed it. Um, you know, I I didn't really lose interest in it. It just dragged the movie on a little bit longer. But I did like that Bond was kind of equally matched with Red for a long time. Um, usually it's just Bond dominating his, his villain, and, and he was kind of equally matched here, which I kind of enjoyed. Um, and I, I agree. I think the, uh, you know, the Guns, Cars, Gadgets briefcase really, like, was used to full effect in this scene. So, um, you know, I, I scored it pretty high for me. Um, especially compared to Dr. No, which didn't really offer anything in terms of a chase or fight scene. So um, I stick with the 7.5. Since we're talking about the train, but let, let me just pop this on here. This was another thing to talk about. But so what's our problem, sir? Our friends... Oh, I can't really stick with English this through the uh, customs of the Yugoslav Trias border. No stops till then. We'd have to jump off. Can you get us across? Any of the opposition around? I'm not in any condition to worry about. Good. We'll make it. I know this territory like the back of my hand. Uh, sir, do you mind if we have a bite to eat first? I've been on the go since breakfast. No, of course not. Leave your things there. We've got the restaurant car. Caroline, you go on with Captain Nice to the restaurant car. I'll join there in a few minutes. Whatever you say, old man. You know, appreciate the uh, the old man reference there, but. Terrible, terrible British accent by our, by our man. Yeah, the constant dig with the old man. Like, that obviously got to Bond, as we'll get to the ending of the, the villain's deaths. But keep digging at the old man, old man. He's not even – is he even 40 yet in the film? I don't even think Sean Connery's even 40. I, I don't know where he is in, in terms of this. I mean – Yeah, like, but he keeps calling him old man. I, honestly, Red Grant looks older than he does. Uh, what year do we have for uh, this movie? 1963. Connery was born in 1930. So, yeah, we got him at 33, right? Yeah, not even 40. Oh, younger than you, MJ. I know. No, no, he's, he's a year older than me. No, no, Connery, Connery's a year younger than I am right now. Uh, <laughs> and what, did you, and what have you done with your life? Nothing. I'm, not, I'm nothing. Look at me. No, no Russian spies. Not We're having it. a podcast talking about them. Yeah. Have you even been on a train? <laughs> I haven't. If we're going to talk about it, I haven't. It's actually, it's actually funny. So uh, that's a lie. You've been on the Magic Kingdom train. Okay. <laughs> to Supel's credit, he was correct. Um, the actor Robert Ar- Robert Archibald Shaw, funny enough, is actually a British actor here, pretending to be a. Uh, a, a Russian spy um, is actually three years older than Connery. Funny enough, born nineteen twenty-seven. Yeah, so makes perfect sense. Like I, that's what I thought. It, it made no sense to dig at him. Him being an old man. Yeah. So, actually- so Mike, back to back to your dig on Red with his terrible British accent. The guy's an English actor. 
I know, but just sounds. <laughs> but you know, but also you know, that's, I, his, I, that's I, his real voice. But I have the same. <laughs> I have the same problem with Ben Affleck when Ben Affleck tries to put on a Boston accent in movies, is it sounds ridiculous. Because that's not, a, that's not his real Boston accent, so it just sounds so overplayed and ridiculous. I guess it's him trying to be Russian, but also trying to be British. He's the man playing a man disguised as another man. Yeah. Excellent, excellent move there. I mean, right. so, all, all, all in, though, I still gave all the quintessential chasing fight scenes. I gave him a 7.5. Lot to take away from here. You get, you know, close combat. You get the gypsy scene, which I have a lot of, you know, comments on. Still very good. You get the boat scene. You know, there's a lot, a lot of good stuff here. All right. What uh? What about the rest of you guys? What did What did you score this uh, the chase fight scene? I had a seven point oh. First time in my life, I side with the gypsies. That's shocking, and I really like the helicopter chase scene with the shitty hand grenades and the sniper kill. <laughs> yeah, the, I grade I grade this category a little hard, I guess, because um, other than. <laughs> shooting down a helicopter with that rifle it's kind of far-fetched i feel like um the the gypsy fight was great the train fight's great i gave it a 5.2 uh looking ahead to other movies there's gonna be some way better uh chase scenes way better fight scenes that's to looking forward ahead to uh but five 5.2 all right before we move on the Listen, in Call of Duty, we call those guys campers. What I find, what I find funny about it, <laughs> so clearly from a couple of hundred feet down, he clearly sees that this henchman has pulled the pin on a grenade, knows to shoot him, so he's instantly going to drop it in the, in the helicopter. Obviously defying all physics, instead of the momentum taking it forward, it just drops a couple of feet, somehow explodes in the air, falls down, and then we miss an entire scene where it then just appears on the ground, exploded. Fan. Know, fantastic Bonds, terrible by movie standards. Over the top, which is a most Bond kills, which is what we love, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that bring us to quotes. Where are we at now? Quotes. Oh, we're, we're just we're just on quotes now. All right. So now now we're getting to some Bond one-liners and and some integral quotes here, right? Yeah. Now we're really breaking into it. I gave it a seven. I absolutely love. Uh, there's a couple of great ones in here, but a particular favorite of mine is. All of a sudden, they sneak through the wall, and him and Kareem Bay take their little dinghy through the underwater caverns, and they're spying on the Russian embassy through the through the uh, the periscope of a uh, you know th that's been somehow set up in there. Obviously, uh, Tatiana Romanova, before she ever even meets James Bond, comes into the room. You know, Kareem Bay with a little bit of banter. How does she look to you, James Bond? From here, things are shaping up quite nicely before ever seeing her face. Fantastic, quintessential Bond. Totally misogynistic, would never fly in 2020 world, but, you know, by, by 1963 standards, clearly, you know, debonair. Yeah, so for me, I gave, I gave quotes a six, um, and my personal favorite was really Bond just being Bond here um, and showing his elegance of finer things in life where he's going back and forth at Red Grant, um, you know, 
as red as being exposed, um, as not being on Bond's side. And he says, red wine with fish. That should have told me something. Um, you know, that it, it's kind of an underrated quote, in my opinion. But, you know, anyone that is a wine drinker knows that you don't drink red wine with fish, right? It's, that's, a white wine, that's a white wine meal. I, uh, I thoroughly disagree as, a, as an avid drinker who just completed an entire bottle of Chardonnay myself. But for purposes of this conversation, I agree with you. Did you, did you drink that Chardonnay with seafood tonight? No, I had a salad tonight, as a matter of fact. Oh, okay. Listen, we, oh, we, we opened up the, the episode with my favorite line. And you, DJ, you, you, uh, you nailed it with the, the red wine and fish. I mean, that's, should have caught it there. But uh, the, just, just her saying her mouth is too big, I had to <laughs> score it at 6.9. I had a 7.0, and it's a quote we missed now about that lunch, and that goes with Trey's uh, 6.9. <laughs> um listen i think that 6.9 is a nice score yeah <laughs> and also i mean we we heard during the chase scene when there's uh there's a saying in england where there's smoke there's fire that's another fire quote as well yeah i mean and we talked about it during the the kareem bay scene but she should have kept her mouth shut another good one um, you know, that added points to my quotes overall score. Um, I don't know. I feel like every, every scene that Kareem Bay was in, I really enjoyed. So yeah, <laughs> he, I, he gets bonus points all around. Right. And the quick banter where he's like, yeah, I don't need the subtitles. And like Kareem Bay just thought that was the funniest thing ever. So it's actually funny. So, um, I had pulled some facts about this movie and it kind of plays to a number of things. So you had mentioned that first scene of Bond and Tatiana Romanova in the hotel. Um, that has actually been used for like 20 years as the audition scene for Bond actors and Bond girls going forward. That's pretty good. Really? When they screened them, that's actually one of the scenes that they used. They actually, I looked that up and found that as a matter of fact. That's a good fact. So another, good fact. another good fact I found, which I didn't get a chance to pull up while we were talking about it, Soup, because you called bullshit on me. Spielberg is actually a huge 007 fan and cast Robert Shaw as Quint in Jaws after watching him in this movie. I didn't even know that. And Jaws is like my number one all-time favorite movie without a blank in doubt. Yeah, Quint, Quint is Robert Shaw, who was Red, who, you know, again, to my theory that I think this was totally stolen by, you know. A, a helium, gasoline, same thing. Definitely, definitely stolen. Yeah. Also, also apparently uh, inspired. Not also so apparently, so inspired. Daniela, inspired, not so. Sure. Daniela Bianchi, who played Tatiana Romanova, director Terrence Young disliked her legs so much they used a stand-in for the scene where Bond spies on her and says he likes the view. Wow. <laughs> I like that. Apparently, during yeah. dur apparently during the helicopter scene where they're flying over the top of Connery. The pilot was inexperienced and flew too close and almost killed Connery in the making of it. <laughs> that would have ended the series abruptly. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of dark. Um, but anyway, so do you want to do conclusion and villain deaths or should we 
close the song opening credits. What what are you thinking next, Mike? Uh, I mean, let's 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 do the uh, let's go to villain deaths, um, and then we'll close it out with with the song. We'll sure. go chronological. I yeah, have that sure. as oh, let's watch it first. Oh, far away. Obviously, the big reveal. Look at that! What a disguise, Grandma. Sound effects. Yum. And they're gonna do this dance right here. Yep. So another one of the funny facts that I found. That's nice. He totally could have connected with his balls back there. Where's the blood? Where's the bullet hole? Awful. Awful. Horrible. I mean, what is she? Her mouth is wide open. Yeah. What a horrible death sequence. I mean, off the balcony, for God's sake. We're, we're led to believe here that Tatiana's a double agent, right? So it looks like she's never used a gun before in her life. I mean, I... Yeah, you're right. That's a tough look for Tatiana. I know, I know that they kind of mentioned that she's just been like a clerk um, in the Russian embassy for so long, right? But like, why would she be trusted in this situation to be around a double O agent if he can't handle a gun? Yeah, that's a good point. I guess the only point is to to sleep with them and have them distracted. I don't know. Yeah, but I mean, she she nails her shot, but she looks so totally suspect doing it. Yeah, and can we talk about? I I, I don't know. If, are we? Are, is everyone going to be able to watch this? Like, watch the actual scene? Because that her death, Cleb's death, is. The worst death, I think, even worse than Dr. No, just by the pure acting of it. Her mouth being wide open, her arms like being up in the air and going down is the worst. Put me mouth through boiling water before I have to see that again. I, I agree with you. And listen, I think, I think the fight scene in general was bad. I think, I think Connery and Cleb going back and forth here, like. Yeah, they're doing a dance. They're doing like a little dance. Then he traps them with. Or traps her with a with a chair. <laughs> like, Listen, I don't I don't think the chair creates enough distance for you. Like yeah. I said, I think I think Cleb could have connected with you know uh, a knife to the ball sack a few yeah. times. Um, I I don't know. It's and, it's a little unbelievable for me. Um, and she's number three. She's supposed to be your number three. Yeah. She's number three. Um, a low number three. <laughs> I rated I rated it a 5.5 on conclusion slash villain deaths. And the only reason it wasn't a three is because I really enjoyed the back and forth with Red and Bond. Yeah. So the villain death of Red carried that score. I concur. Like, I had a 6.5 in my comments where the Red Grant scene, Red uh, fight scene was great. He used all his gadgets. Perfect. Club death felt rushed, and I was underwhelmed. I'm like, this is the end. Wasn't great. So 6.5. They should have flip-flopped them, maybe. Yeah, yeah. I I gave it a 5.1. Club's death stunk. What carried it was the train fight, which we already covered. I I gave it a 3. I was low here. I also looped in um, the other Spectre death where the guy is stabbed in the ankle. 
um, before Red is dispatched, uh, well, before uh, before Club is dispatched to go try to kill Bond, if we remember, standing in front of you know number one, he gets poked in the ankle. And there's another that's another terrible death suite sequence. Unfortunately, I couldn't find it, but I, I was I was a three on this one. Listen, I I also think that Tatiana putting in the final kill on Rosa Club was pretty good. Um, yeah. As, as much as it was unbelievable because of the acting and because I don't think it was believable that Tatiana's ever handled a gun before, her making the final death kill adds something to the score for me. Yeah, and then that added to the Bond girl score for me as well. So uh, moving on, um, let's, what's normally the opening credits? Now, obviously, this was different. We've got the first movie where there's a song based on the title, but it obviously came in the closing credits where Bond's hanging out in Venice with the lovely Tanya. Um, you know, so we'll, let's talk through song and closing credits here. Yeah. You got it queued up? Uh, I don't, so you're on your own. All right, no problem. Um, so for me, I think From Russia With Love is a solid song. Um, I probably wouldn't put it in my top 10, but um, – you know, it's it's not a stinker. It's not a boring song. It's it's you know, it has some clout. And I think the opening scene really carried this score for me because as we discussed before, Red Strangling, um, you know, a Bond masked man, um, you know, kind of gave you a little chill. Um, you didn't really know what was going to happen until they unmasked him. Um, you were you were thinking that Bond was dead. So for me, I think with a decent enough song that that wasn't boring, wasn't a stinker, and you know, the score, the score in the beginning opening credits were good, um, but I think I got a six. Yeah, I gave it a six point seven. Uh, all great points, DJ. I, I maybe that point seven I have just with the belly dancers at the beginning. <laughs> I forgot about the whole belly dancing. <laughs> we didn't see Bond for the first 19 minutes of the film in character. And when yeah. he was with an old friend uh, along a riverbank, I appreciated that. But, like, not the best opening. This song is good by itself. I like the opening scene with the fake Bond. I had that at a 6.0. But the fact that we didn't see James Bond for basically 20 minutes hurt the score for me personally. I had it at a five. Um, obviously, I love the uh, – I, I like the cold open a lot. Um, song's fine. Doesn't do much for me. Um, you know, not much else to say there. Uh, the Leah Trench, though, was really nice. Yeah. yeah. We missed her throughout the movie uh, – throughout the podcast, but – Going to give her a hat tip. Yeah. Um, total scores, and then I got a couple interesting facts for you. Yeah, sure. I'll, I'll run through the total scores, and I think I got everyone's totals here. Um, yeah. DJ, are you going to give us the average for each uh, category? Absolutely. So, um, all right, I'll start. I'll run down everything just to recap. So, if you joined late or didn't know what we are talking about, we'll start with plot. Uh, Trey gave it an eight. And myself, Mike, and John, Soup, gave it an 8.5 overall. So the total was, you know, basically an 8.3. Um, you know, pretty close scores from everyone there. 
Um, the bond performance, Trey was our, our high point at a 9.3, but uh, myself and John Soup at a 9 and Mike at an 8 put us to an 8.8. Um, really, really high for a bond score. Uh, bond villain, Trey had 8.4. I was at 5.5. Mike at a 6 and Soup at a 7.5 brought us to a 6.85 total for the bond villain, which I think we were – Almost all aligned. Trey really valued the uh, the height of Spectre there. Mike might change his score overall based on Spectre Island. We'll see. Spectre Island. Um, Bond Girl, Trey had an 8.9. I had a 7. Mike had a 6. And Soup had a 5. And that brought us to a 6.7 overall. Uh, the Guns, Cars, Gadgets. Uh, Trey at a 7. Me at a 5. Mike at a 9. Soup at a 6. That was 6.75 overall. Uh, song opening sequence, Trey to 6.7, DJ at a 6, Mike at a 5, Supal at a 6. So that's pretty close. Yeah. Um, that puts us at a 5.9, pretty close to a 6 overall. Uh, supporting cast, MI6 and the rest of the henchmen. Um, listen, we can't, we can't talk enough about the supporting cast here. So... 7.5 for Trey, 8 for DJ, 7 for Mike, 7.5 for Soup. That brought us to a 7.5 overall. So Pretty good on, score. On the supporting cast, just so you know, one of the things that I had found is in the book, uh, Kareem Bay's nickname, he was actually named Darko Kareem Bay. So his nickname was Darko, which is pretty Oh, famous. my God. Darko, Darko Kareem Bay. Yeah. I mean, listen. We've talked about Kareem Bay all podcast here. Um, you know, his, his time allotted on, on this hour plus, you know, segment is, is probably, probably too much for a supporting cast, but the guy fucking deserves it. Probably could have invited him, and it's also a damn shame he was never an unlockable extra in any of the video games. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to continue down. Chase fight scene. 5.2 for Trey, 7.5 for DJ, 7.5 for Mike, 7 for Soup. Um, I think that had a lot to do with just the rating of the um, boat scene. I think the, the rating of the train um, kind of – everyone was pretty close. But quotes, 6.9, DJ 6, Mike 7, Soup 7, um, 6.7 total. Uh, and then the conclusion in death, 5.1 for Trey, 5.5 for DJ. Mike had a three. Supal had a six, a 4.9 total. So overall, our totals here um, for all those 10 categories, Trey came in at the highest, uh, rated from Russia with Love the highest out of all four of us at a 73. Um, the next highest was Soup at a 69.5. So um you know a little bit further off from trey but pretty close overall the next two um myself i scored at a 68 and mike scored at a 67 so the total score overall was a 69.38 so uh trey being the high man trey you are in good company both Timothy Dalton and Daniel Craig have named this as their favorite Bond movies uh, when asked in interviews, in case you're wondering. Um, this is one of the only Bond movies where he does not use the line Bond, James Bond. Uh, doesn't appear in this movie, funny enough, which yeah, not something I originally, uh, not something originally I realized. 
Um, Robert Shaw, you know, the, the great Donald Red Grant, apparently originally turned the script down, basically said it was complete and utter garbage, it was terrible, was convinced by his wife to do it, helped him in his career later on. Uh, apparently, one other great little piece here, during the filming of this, uh, Robert Shaw actually introduced the game of golf to Sean Connery. So despite the fact that Connery played in a scene in, in Goldfinger later on, he had never played golf before until he played, performed with Donald Shaw. Donald Shaw taught him to play golf during this movie. Is he from Scotland? Yep. Leave it to you to find a fact about golf in James <laughs> Bond and intermingle. So uh, Daniela Bianchi, the great Tatiana, uh, is the youngest actress to play uh, a leading Bond girl ever in the franchise. Um, this is also- How old? How old? Uh, I don't know. She was 21. Ooh, 21? She was 21. 21. All right. Um, this, is all, this is also the first Bond movie to end in the ending sequence to begin, the, the end with James Bond will return with. It didn't appear in Dr. No. In the original, it might in some iteration of, but this is the first one. Um, you know, the, uh, James Bond will return in Goldfinger. That tradition continued for almost 20 years. Um, it ended after Octopussy in 1983. Um, this we, actually, what's up? We still have the jabroni and the opening gun barrel sequence at just the jump shot. Once again, the jabroni, the, the jabroni stuntman <laughs> is still in the gun barrel sequence. Um, Connery is still not good enough to do his own gun Unbelievable. Statement. It's been two movies. Yep. This, is, um, this is also the last Bond movie that Ian Fleming, the creator of James Bond, actually watched. Um, despite the fact that he wrote a screenplay for a later movie, he never watched any more of them after the second one. Um, there's actually an unconfirmed cameo of the great Sir Ian Fleming as one of the random patrons standing outside of the train. Um, you know, when people are getting on the Orient Express, he actually did a cameo there. And while we were sitting on here, I found um, what is known as the on-screen body count for this movie. So the on-screen body count was 21. Now this does not include the real Captain Nash who was murdered in a bathroom. So that's 22, presumably killed off screen. Um, the guy who is on fire that jumps off the exploding tank in the Adriatic is also not necessarily shown to be dead in the movie. So we're somewhere between a 21 and a 23 in an on-screen body count for Bond. So if I can find one for Dr. No, I'll start continuing a tally of how many bad guys and henchmen that James Bond has terminated. Yeah, I think we need that. That's a good, that's some good facts. <laughs> I think... So. I think that number can be factored in uh, at some point in a later episode. So we have some time to build that. Um, I mean, listen, we're, we're talking critic rankings. We're talking song rankings. We're talking bomb girl rankings. Right? Listen, we've got, we've got rankings for everything here. So if we can find some henchman kills and, and throw it in there, might as well. Yeah. And, uh, in our early ranking, where would y'all say this is, is this a top five bond film for you guys? I mean, uh -huh. No. Listen, I think no. I think from Russia with Love certainly scores higher than Doctor No for me. Agree. Um, I think it flirts with the top five. Yeah, I think it flirts with it. I don't know if it's there, but it it definitely flirts with it. I agree. I think it's going to be in that five six range for me. I I don't know exactly where yet, but 
if I had to pin it somewhere, it's in that five six for sure. Um, it, it it's definitely a top ten Bond film for me. Uh, oh, without, without without question, top ten. Um, it it'll it'll flirt with top five. Doctor No as well is a top ten for me. The uh, it's a top. It's a t- I was I was top ten on Doctor No. This is a top ten for me. I don't think this cracks my top five though. Obviously, wonderful wonderful flick, great movie, but. Does not crack my uh, doesn't crack my top five. With that, ladies and gentlemen, that's uh, that's Doctor No. That's a commercial with love. He was right, you know. Also, unrelated. This is a terribly strange sequence oh, sure. where his hand is just awkwardly here throwing out the material. But oh, you haunted me so.